0: Father, as we turn to your word, we're turning and asking that you would make us the people that you want us to be, Lord. We're all connected to you, our head. We're joined together by one common faith, one common purpose, one common mission. Lord, make it clear to us. Lord, crystallize it. Lord, unite us, Father. We pray, Lord God, that as the word of God goes forth this morning, you'd use it as a means of forming our character to be the army that you've called us to be. We are in a war zone, Lord. Help us to see it. You've called us to be ministers, Lord. Help us to see it. You've called us to radical discipleship. Help us to obey it, Lord. You've called us to walk in the Spirit. Help us to do it, Lord God. We cannot do it without you. So, Father, use this word going forth. However it comes out of my mouth, Lord God, use it to further your kingdom. Make us to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 I, wanted this morning, uh, I, I want to this uh, morning, I want to do an overview of Hebrews 11. I'm not going to take it apart. I'll be maybe doing that a little bit in the next couple of weeks. But we're continuing our study of Hebrews chapter 11, and we've spent five weeks on one verse, and now I want to spend 20 minutes on the whole chapter. <laughs> because there's something, there's a message that you get when you look at the forest, uh, and, and don't miss the forest through the trees. I want to look at the big picture here. It's a message that I believe is absolutely vital for us. It's kind of, a, I think, a rather distinct thing that God laid upon us, uh, and it has to do with balance. Faith is one of the things that is easiest to get off balance about. Here's what we've seen so far, very briefly, as a point of review. We've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, which has told us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the hypostasis of things that you anticipate. It is, in other words, the, the, the word means to hold as a substantial reality things that have not yet occurred and to experience as a manifested reality things which you do not see. It's about seeing, it's about hearing inside your head. What we've seen is that everybody has got faith. In fact, what we've, what we've seen is that everything we do in the world is the result of something we first do in our head. The way you do reality in your actions is a consequence of how you do reality between your ears. How do you picture things? What do you anticipate on a concrete level? And what you feel about things is not a response to the way things are. It's a response to the way you think about things are. What your faith about things are. Hallelujah. Modern technology. I just bought myself one of those phones. And you know what? You got forget, forget to turn them off in your middle in the most inopportune place. And all of a sudden it goes off. Jesus never had that problem. Uh, that... <laughs> Where was that? Yes. Yeah. About the... Um, it's especially tough when you're an ADD preacher. And you, know, you notice there's a bug in the room. It's like, all right, Focus. Somebody give me some riddling, man. I need (laughs) a Your feelings, whether you're excited or whether you're not excited, whether you're joyful, whether you're depressed, whether you're at peace or whether you're full of anxiety, you're responding to the way you do reality in your head. What are you seeing? What are you expecting? What does it mean to you? That's your faith. And the Bible says, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. How do you see reality? How do you picture it? What do you hear? How do you do reality between the ears? The Christian faith, the job of the Christian faith is to have what goes on between our ears align up with God's Word. The way you think about things should be the way God thinks about things. What is good, you should think of as good. What is bad, you should think of as bad. Not think of theoretically, but think of in terms of what you picture, what you see. How do you do it, you see? Because faith is about substance, it's about evidence, it's about what's real to you, what you really, really, really believe. And all growth in the Christian life, all transformation, all increasing freedom is the result of getting your faith to line up with truth, and truth is defined by God's Word. And all bondage, every area of our life that is under bondage, that is, that is uh, held by the enemy, all of it is the result of having a false faith, a bondage faith. You believe that things are good when actually they're evil, you believe you move towards it, you portray it wrongly. Things that are evil you portray as good. It's about how you do reality in your head. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, here's the question. I've had this question three or four times in the last four or five weeks, and I, I got it last week. And I, In some ways, I think Hebrews 11, taken as a whole, answers this one question. It's a good one. A person comes to me, and she's got uh, a bad back of some sort. I don't know what the details were, but she's in chronic pain, and she has trouble walking on her own because of this chronic pain. Uh, It is, I I take it, very significant pain and it it doesn't go away. And there's nothing the doctors say they can do for her. And so she asks this question. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, according to your faith be it unto you. Well, look it. I have repeatedly seen myself as healed from this, delivered from the pain and able to walk. I see it. I run that movie. I have people pray for me. And yet here I am talking to you and I have to use a cane to stand up and I'm in chronic pain because of my back what am I doing wrong? Am I doing anything wrong? I have people who tell me that if I just had enough faith, if I really could picture it, if I, if I just would confess it, if I just said it right, then I, I wouldn't have this pain and I'd be able to walk just fine. So is it my fault? Do I lack faith? Do I, is there something wrong in the way that I talk and the way that I think or whatever that is causing me to have this chronic pain in my life? Good question. I can see it. I have faith. Why isn't according to your faith being unto you? You see? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know for sure where her faith is, and and faith is one of the variables. Do you really, really believe that God can heal you? That's one variable. But that aside, well, I'll tell you what I said to her when I'm done preaching. Hebrews 11 answers this question. What you find in Hebrews 11 are there's two motifs, two motifs that go on here, two themes. One of the themes has to do with how. Faith can activate the power of God here and now to bring about miraculous supernatural things. And we need that kind of faith. But faith can also be manifested by how we endure with patience and joy, how manifest the bigness of God when those things don't happen. And both of them are there in Hebrews 11. We tend to like the first more than the second. In fact, in many places, the second is never talked about. I want to see if we can't hold these two things in balance. Let me run through this very quickly. If I had time, I'd read the whole chapter. As your professor, I'm going to assign you reading the whole chapter at least once by next Sunday, okay? I'm a professor. Professor. I I give assignments. Uh, If you can read it every day uh, this week and let it sink in, it'd be better. Hebrews 11 is is what's called the, the, the Heroes of Faith Hall of Fame. Here we just have cataloged what faith looks like in the life of people. It looks like two different things. First of all, it looks like, when people have faith, it looks like deliverance, it looks like supernatural intervention, it looks like God prospering His people, it looks like God showing off His might in the life of His people. Consider this, verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 11. Enoch, Enoch was the man of the Bible who never died. He was taken right up into heaven. Faith can apparently, faith has the power, believing in God, to uh, deliver you from death, you don't have to die. I don't hear a lot of people preaching that on, on the basis of you know everybody if you just have enough faith, you'll never die. Though it would be consistent, wouldn't it? Right, think about it. Okay, never mind. Um, Enoch never died. Verse seven. Noah because of his faith, he and his family were spared the judgment of God in the flood. Faith gets you out of God's judgment. Verse eleven. Abraham because of his faith, though he was ninety years old, he was he and Sarah was given a son. That's pretty impressive, folks. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we get so excited about Viagra. Well, what are you talking about? The Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual Viagra. I'm telling you, 90 years old. Bam! What I want to know is if God supernaturally helped him parent that kid. I you know, that's like, that, that'd be tough. Okay. Verse 23. Moses' parents, because of their faith, had Moses uh, spared from the, the sword of, of Pharaoh. Every other kid was getting killed, but Moses... Apparently, faith can help you be protected. Praise God, it can protect your children. Verse 28, Moses... Um... Uh, And all the Israelites had their firstborn sons spared because of their faith, it says in Hebrews 11. The cloud of death, the angel of death, passed over all of Egypt, but their children were spared. Verse 29, because of their faith, Moses and the Israelites passed through the Red Sea. Praise God. In verse 30, because of their faith, they walked around the walls of Jericho, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Faith can tear down strongholds, praise God. It can vanquish the enemy. There's nothing that can stand in your way when you've got faith. According to your faith be done to you. One of my favorite heroes in this chapter is verse 31. We have Rahab, whom the author says was a prostitute, but God commended her because of her faith. And she was spared destruction in Jericho, and she found favor with God because of her faith, though she had been a prostitute, praise God. The author sums up this whole motif in, in verse 33. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. Listen to this. It says, And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Who through faith, they conquered kingdoms, praise God. Faith can conquer kingdoms. They administered justice when there was injustice. They gained what was promised, okay? Because of their faith, they gained, they saw, they experienced what was promised to them. It was big. It was great. It was supernatural. Wow! They shut up the mouths of lions. With Daniel. They crushed the fury of the flames. They escaped because of their faith. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again, praise God. You hear that? And I'm telling you, that's victory with a capital V. And one of the things we got to know, it's here, it's the Word of God, is this, we need the kind of faith that sees God manifested here and now. We need the kind of faith that causes the walls in our life to come tumbling down, praise God. Not because we're so powerful, or whatever, but because we blow the trumpets in obedience to God and the walls come, come, come tumbling down, amen? We need the kind of faith that sees because it's gospel. This is what we should be preaching. This is what we got to be seeing. The Bible says, according to your faith, be it unto you. A whole town missed out on Jesus' miracle working power. It says in Mark 6, because they did not believe. They didn't have faith. They doubted it. They didn't think it could happen, so they didn't see it happen. And according to your faith be it unto you, we've got to believe God that He's able and willing to bring about healings here and now. People coming out of the wheelchairs here and now. The blind receiving their sight here and now. The deaf receiving their hearing here and now. We've got to believe God for that. Amen? We want to see that. I want to see that. Amen? You want to see that? I want to see God manifested like that. There's no reason why it shouldn't be. In our small groups, as we pray for one another, and as God leads in our services together, I want to see God showing up, doing stuff, delivering people. I want to see God here and now manifesting the truth that faith sets you free, marriage is restored, faith can bless your home, faith can bless your workplace, faith can bless your house, faith can bless your finances, praise God. It's in the Word of God. We've got to believe that. For God, here and now, it's true, it's real. I've seen it, you've seen it talked to a guy just a little while ago. I tell you, I'm talking to some interesting people lately. Well, the guy was just saying that, you know, he's very, very, very wealthy and he believes and I believe that it's because he was obeying God's Word. When he had nothing, he was obeying the principle that, that to whom much is given or, or uh, that if you're faithful in little, he'll make you, God will make you faithful in much. And if you cast your bread upon the water, it will come back to you. Full measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He, he, he lived on that principle of financial, uh, God will bless you. And so he invested and he invested. When he didn't have anything to invest, he invested and God blessed him. And, and it, praise God for that. It's a true principle. We've got to be preaching it. We've got to be believing it. Several weeks ago, I was at this warfare conference and saw a deaf person healed. Praise God. Uh, it, it was just great. I want to see more of that. It can happen. It's there. Woman gives a testimony that I know of. How by her, she just believed that God was going to save her husband. Just believed, and believed, and believed it, and prayed and prayed and prayed, and God saved her husband. You see, and, and, and that's I could preach that every single Sunday. I could just I, I could get I could be cosmic cheerleader on this stuff. B I C T O R Y Jesus, you know, will tell you why. And, and, and I, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. I want to preach this stuff. And we need it. We we need it. We need it. But here's... You see, we could get ourselves whooped up into a Holy Ghost frenzy. And and we'd just be feeding on it. This, this is the part I like. <laughs> oh, candy, candy. Oh, miracles. More miracles. more Okay, good. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is why you need balance. We're talking reality here, folks. And the Bible is always about reality. If we did that, if that's the only thing we preached and, and forgot the other part of Hebrews chapter 11, then the person who's here who's still got the chronic back pain and can't walk right is going to say, what about me? What, what am I doing wrong? Uh, the person in the wheelchair, the person who has a child who got killed, you know, you hear about it, hey, God will protect your children! Hallelujah! Well, my kid got killed. Is, is that my fault? Are you saying that? See, follow this. According to faith, be it unto you. Well, if that would guarantee that my kids would never get killed and my kid got killed, I must have left. So, it's my fault that my kid got killed! It's my fault that my back is, is chronically in pain! It's my fault that I'm in a wheelchair! You see? But... but you don't hear a lot of attention paid to that. We just kind of go on our merry way. And, and these people are sitting here going, well, what about... And what it does, I've seen this, is it can actually build a kind of a, an attitude towards people that Jesus never had. And that's a sort of callousness. I know one person in a wheelchair who was told by somebody in an authority position that it was her own fault for being in that wheelchair. If she just had enough faith, she'd get up and walk. And he could give her eight testimonies about that. If she's had enough faith, her kids would be protected. Here it is. I got the testimony right here. You see? There's another motif that we've got to look at. Another motif. I, you know, I've seen, I've seen lives destroyed. I've seen lives... You know, go tell Pastor Pray and his whole congregation that they lack faith and that's why they're poor. And one of the things that really intrigues me about the, this kind of, uh, let's say, positive... Let's only look at the, the, the this, this stuff that we like part of Hebrews 11 is that no one ever takes this message to Calcutta. Why not? You know, boy, there's a lot of lack of faith over there. Take it to Bangladesh. I will really be impressed. If you go to Bangladesh and turn it into a Malibu in five years, whoa, you made a believer out of me. But see, it's really easy to preach this in Malibu, where everyone wants to hear it, but no one goes to Calcutta. So we got to look at the other side of Hebrews chapter eleven, and it's this: faith, faith, faith. We need to have faith that God can and wants to intervene in the here and the now. But it's also the case that faith sometimes not only allows for but results in hardship. And pain in the here and now. Verse 4, Abel. Abel had faith more than Cain, right? God honored his sacrifice because he brought it forth out of faith instead of out of just a good work mentality or whatever. And he got killed for it. Where was the protection there? I could just see Moses' parents saying, well, you, it's your own fault for getting killed. We got our child protected. You see? Uh, Abel got killed and yet he was a hero in the faith. Abraham, verses 8-10 through 10 of chapter 11. Abraham, here's what his faith did. He left his home, he left his riches, he left his empire, he went on a journey of wandering here and there. It says he was a nomad. He didn't have a home, he didn't have a place. He lived out of a tent. He never received the promise of, that God had given to him, not in this life. But the Bible says, for just that reason, he was a man of faith. It says in verse 13 here, that his descendants, listen to this, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. All these people, referring to Abraham and his descendants, All these people were still living by faith. When they died, they had faith. They did not receive the things promised. Is God a liar? No. But they didn't receive the things that were promised. They only saw them. Faith is about seeing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. They saw the promises. They believed it, but they believed it in a big picture. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But not all in this life. It's the things hoped for beyond this life. In fact, it's mostly the things hoped for beyond this life. If you think it's all about things in this life, you're a carnal person. These people had faith because they believed God and the promises that someday we're going to get them, it may not be in this lifetime, and they died not having received them. They admitted that they were aliens and strangers on this earth. If you live with the reality that this world is simply a, a temporary, very short prelude to the real show, you're going to be an alien in this world. You're going to be a stranger in this world. You're going to be a real oddball freak in this world because you're not going to be going by the standards and the values and the passions of the worldlings that are all around us. You're marching to a different drummer because you have faith. And it's not about how you're going to get a better house and better car and better clothes. It's about how when God wins this war, we're going to be reigning with Him through eternity. Amen? That's real faith. That's what faith is about. Praise God. It says in verse 14, people who say such things show. You see, that's the works. That's the demonstration. They demonstrate that they are looking for a country of their own. You see, they don't belong in this world, and neither do you and neither do I. If they had been thinking of their own country, that was the hupostasis or lemkos in their head. If their faith was about the here and now, it says right here they would have gone back to their country. Who in their right mind would leave a perfectly good house and a perfectly good you know, tribe and all of that and go out wandering through the, through the nothingness of nowhere, not knowing where you're going? unless they were hearing a different voice and marching to a different drummer. He had a faith that went beyond this world. That's why he acted otherworldly. Praise God. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, it says in verse 16. Moses is another example that the author refers to in verses 24 through 26. Moses had it all, you guys. He was, he was by divine providence raised up right under Pharaoh. He could have inherited the riches. He could have inherited the glory. He could have inherited the authority. But the Bible says here, verses 24 through 26, speak that because of his faith, he left the whole thing. He considered, this is faith, he saw the big picture. He saw what life was about. He saw what the purpose was. And he'd rather suffer disgrace for Christ's sake, it says here, than to have all the riches of the world. That is what faith is all about. Sometimes faith can give you riches. Sometimes faith causes, causes you to leave your riches. And so here's how the author summarizes this motif, right after he summarized the earlier motif we just looked at right after he says the people who who, uh, you know conquered kingdoms administered justice they gained the promise they shut up the mouths of lions quenched the fury of the flames escaped the edge of the sword yada 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 then he says this others in this hall of fame of faith there are others others were tortured B-I-C-P-O-R-Y others were tortured and they refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. I'd rather suffer now because I'm going to inherit eternal life very shortly. That's faith. Some faith jeers and flogging. Faith can make you real prosperous and, and give you honor before all people. Faith can also make you the most unpopular person in the world, Ask Jesus Christ. While still others were chained and put in prison. that Their faith did this. They were stoned. That that means stoning here. People picked up rocks. They threw them at them until they were dead. That's what being stoned is all about. Their faith caused them to be stoned. They were sawed in two. Well, if you just had faith, you'd be protected. We got through the Red Sea. We tore down Jericho. Our children escaped out of that. What's wrong with you? Hallelujah. I'm talking victory here. You're getting sawed in two. You must lack faith. Here the author says, This is a hero. This is a hero. Because ultimately, faith isn't about a future in this world. It's about a future in that world. It's about the big picture. It's about what God is doing. And if getting sought into, in two, and this war zone is what it's about, then faith says, so be it. They were put to death by the sword. They went around in sheepskins and, and goatskins. In other words, they didn't have designer clothing. They were destitute. They were impoverished. They were persecuted. They were mistreated. All because of their faith. The author says this in verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. Why? Because they belonged to a different world. They wandered in deserts and mountains. They were in caves. They were in holes in the ground. Like Jeremiah was placed. These were all commended for their faith. God says, good job! Commendable! Way to go! Got the right priorities. Got the right things. Saw it in two. Praise God, you went through that. Praise me, you went through that. that. He commends them for their faith. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What that's all getting at is this. Here's the bottom line. See, this author is talking to Christians who are probably going to be being put to the sword very quickly. The, the, the big picture is the audience is thinking about giving up on their faith because of the persecution. So this author is basically saying, you know what? You've got to have faith. Now, faith might mean you get out of this persecution. Faith might mean you get fed to lions. But you got to have faith. What you learn here is this. We would like it, wouldn't we? It would make sense, wouldn't it? If we had a nice compartmentalizable kind of put-in-your-pocket, put-in-your-wallet kind of a faith that could be reduced onto one little cliche that was self-serving. You see, faith. Oh, it's the substance of things hold for and the evidence of things not seen. And so I will just believe that. I will believe that it's going to go well. I will believe that I, you know, I, I'm just going to get that nice car. And I'm going to, it's all going to go well for me. We like it like that and we can find evidence of it in Hebrews 11. We'll look at all that stuff and we'll find evidence. We'll hear testimonies about it. But what you find out from Hebrews 11 is that things are not that simple. Reality is never that simple. And your faith cannot be put into a pocket-sized little cliche. The bottom line here is that we are in a war zone. Amen? We're in a war zone. And in this war zone, your will and God's will are not the only wills. There are, remember a couple of weeks ago with the problem of evil stuff, there are a variety of things that go on. The mystery of evil is the mystery of the complexity of creation and about that we know very, very little. But we do know this. We are to pray, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which presupposes that his will is not now being done on earth as it is in heaven. Things are sometimes screwed up. Which is why you can have perfect faith and you're going to die with it like Abel did. Which is why you can uh, have perfect faith but you're going to be homeless like Abraham was. You can have perfect faith but you're going to have to forsake your riches like Moses did. You can have perfect faith but you may be being persecuted for it. Like Job was and, and like, like, like others, Job was persecuted for it but he suffered in it. And like others here who were sought into and put in prison, Jeremiah and others, they had faith. And it is, get this, lock it in, just as much a manifestation of God to suffer faithfully as it is to be freed from the suffering in this war zone. So to the Hebrews, the author is saying this, and this is what I'm saying to us. It may mean that you may never die like Enoch, or it may mean that you're going to die like Abel. Both are faith. It may mean that like David, you're going to be very, very rich. Or it may mean God may... If you have faith, God may say, give up your riches. Like He did with Moses. If you have faith, you may get your son back like Abraham did. Or you may wander around the world like, like Abraham did. If you have faith, you may in fact be delivered. You may go through the Red Sea. Jericho may come down. Or like Isaiah and Jeremiah, that may not happen to you. may end up dying. Jesus told us that we're to expect that. The bottom line here then is this. faith. Faith is about the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And ultimately, faith is about the ultimate future and the ultimate unseen. Follow me here? And the ultimate future is the kingdom of God and the ultimate unseen is the will of God. And faith is a matter of saying... Something. It may be that the future, the, the kingdom of God breaks in now, and there's the healing, and there's the wall, wow, and the victory, and we need to believe God for that. We never, Whatever I say, do not equivocate on seeing God manifested here and now. That may happen. We pray for that. We move towards that. At the same time, faith means this. It's about how you're, how you're living. It's about your priorities. Because we know that this life is not where it's at, because we're strangers, we're aliens, we're foreigners, we're oddballs in this world, this world is not our home, we don't grow out of this stuff. Our ultimate faith is that this world is a war zone. God will win. Satan will be defeated. And then we have our mansion. We don't need to cling to the mansion now. Then we'll have our healing. We don't need to cling to the healing now. We can pray for it. Yes, have faith for it. But it may in this war zone not happen. And don't think that's a lack of faith if it doesn't. Getting sought in two is sometimes a great act of faith. Living, if God calls you to do it, destitute can be, according to the Word of God, an act of faith. There's no virtue in having the riches. There's no sin in having them. As long as the picture, the big picture about what life is about, is there in place? Are you willing? We like that. We like the victory. We like the here and now. We like it for us. We like all that. Fine. Pray for that. Go for that. Let's. But are you willing to do the other half of Hebrews 11? As God calls you to live in a countercultural, radically countercultural discipleship against the American dream mentality, are you willing to go that route? Are you willing to do the Moses? He may call you that, may not. But are you willing to do that? Is that where it is at? Do you have faith in that whole thing? As I, as well, let me end by telling you what I, what I do with this lady. I'll answer her question. This is all about Hebrews 11. Am I lacking faith? She says because I'm in chronic pain and I can't walk right. My answer was this: I don't know. It, it doesn't look like it to me, but I, I you know, pray for more faith. You can always pray for more faith. God, give me more faith. According to faith, it unto you. And surround yourself with faith. And, and, and ma'am, keep on picturing the substance of things hoped for. You hope for healing, picture it. You're doing the right thing. See it. Believe. See God. See God healing you, being free from that. Have people pray for you. And I can, I know this. I believe this. Now follow me on this. I believe she has a promise by virtue of the cross that she is going to be healed. She, that's a promise. Now, I don't know if it's going to be today. I don't know. There's a lot of variables here. The world's a mysterious place. We're in a war zone. Or maybe tomorrow... Or maybe like Abraham, she's not going to see it this side of the grave. But the next side she's going to see it. I know this. Ain't going to be nobody in heaven suffering chronic pain, praise God. She's going to be healed. Amen. Heaven's the ultimate healing. Amen. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's going to be done. It's a matter of when. And right now it's fight. You pray, you fight, you believe, you pray. I want to see it happen now. But it may not happen until then. At the same time. And here's the reality The world's an ambiguous place and and so there's two kind of pictures she needs to hold and that we all need to hold. You believe God for it, you pray for it, you go for it, you, 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 you see it. But then I said to her, at the same time, there's another picture I want you to hold and that is this. In the event that today or tomorrow or the rest of your life you're not healed, can you have faith that God, you can still glorify God as you are in the midst of this transitional thing, in the imperfect state that we're in right now, you can See, there's different ways of suffering chronic pain. You can do it in an ungodly, bitter way, or you can do it in a way that glorifies God. You can, there's different ways of getting sawed in two. If you get sawed in two and you're screaming, Oh, God, I cursed the day I was born, never God glorifying. But if you get sawed in two and you're saying, So be it, you know, uh, easy come, easy go, so is life, and you have a peace that passes understanding, you're glorifying God by the way you're sawed in two. I've never seen it done, mind you, but I'm, I'm imagining <laughs> if it applies to being sought into, it applies to having chronic back pain, it applies to having a screwed up family, it applies to having some ongoing struggles in your brain, it applies to everything in life. Can you pray, God, God, in the meantime, while I'm praying for the kingdom to come right here, can I also see myself in the process glorifying God? You see, that's what faith is about. And don't think that if you're in the process, that you're compromising. There's a lot of other variables here. Faith holds the two intentions. It's so important to hold that balance. If we go too much in the direction of victory, 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 then we end up accusing people who don't experience it. Uh, We blame them for not having experienced it. We turn to Pollyanna, always up kind of Christians who don't look at reality. On the other hand, if we lose the victory, victory, victory stuff and only talk about the suffering and glorifying God in the midst of suffering, you forget to even pray for healing. You don't even believe that, that that can ever happen. Hold the two together. That's what Hebrews 11 does. And glorify God in the process of what's going on. Close your eyes. Let's pray. In fact, can we do this again? I I just think this is a good way to do it. Join hands with the people next to you. In fact, let's stand up and join hands with the people next to you. I just want to close in a consecrating prayer because there's power in praying for others. And so we just very briefly here, and after we're done, I'd like you to get to know their name if you don't know it already. And and if you want to pray for them throughout the week, uh, then tell them that you'll pray for them throughout that week. But right now, let's pray for the person on your right. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray for the people on our right whose hands we are now holding. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that You would build their faith, God. God, build their faith for the here and the now. We pray, Lord God, that You would manifest the truth of Your kingdom in their families, Lord. We pray that You'd manifest the truth of their kingdom in their marriage, if they're married and with their kids, Lord God. We pray that You'd increase their faith with regard to their physical well-being. We pray You'd increase their faith with regard to their finances. At the same time, Lord God, we pray that You'd put in them an increased faith about what life is about, that they'd live with an eye towards heaven. Lord God, that their values would reflect the priorities of heaven, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that they'd have the perspective that whatever they're going through, however tough it may be right now, however much they may be struggling right now, Lord God, that it is in the eternal scheme of things a rather small thing, Lord God. Give them that faith that they may go through it in a way that glorifies You, with an attitude that glorifies You, if in fact they have to continue to go through it. We pray for their faith, Lord God, in the here and the now and in the eternal kingdom. Lord, now we pray for the person on our left. We pray, Lord God, for blessing on them. Lord, in our minds, we just see the light beam of Your blessing coming down upon them. And we pray, Lord God, that You bless everything about them, their health, Lord God, their spiritual health, their psychological health, Lord God. We pray for their relationships. Increase their faith, Lord God.